And you may be seated. Thank you, Charles and worship team. I, I love, I love that even in a small, just a few, uh, about a minute long, where for whatever reason the power goes out, that worship is not affected, right? Because worship for us, that's just maybe a distraction, but I love being on the front and hearing you singing back this way. Such an encouragement. And so I just want to encourage you and thank you for just coming and bringing worship. We don't come to worship. We bring our worship with us when we come into this place. Amen? Amen. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to Mark chapter 8. If you don't have a Bible, I want to encourage you to grab a Bible from the seat back in front of you. The words will be on the screen. I told you last week that I was going to not do that for a few weeks, and then I was reminded by someone who doesn't have 20-20 vision, that they need the screen to see the words at times, and instead, because they may not have be able to see the Bible in front of them. And so, uh, let me reiterate, even though at times I will choose to put words on the screen to help you follow along, let me encourage you to have a copy of God's Word, to see God's Word uh, for yourself. Underline it, write in it, um, use it to the point that you got to get a new one because you've just torn that one up, and I love a Bible that has fallen apart because that means it has been used. Hey, we're continuing in our series that we're simply calling Kingdom Come. At any time as I've been thinking about, you know, doing a, a vision series and I've been anticipating the series for months, over a half a year, I wanted to be clear to communicate as much as we are going to be talking about us as much as we're going to be talking about New Hope, as much as you see new logos and new banners and you see New Hope as a brand, if you will, because that's who we are as an institution of a church or a local church body, our vision is not about us. I want us to get that. I want to make that crystal clear. Our vision is much greater than us. And tonight, is I'm going to do my best to, to whet your appetite, if you will, for what I mean by that statement, that our, our vision is much greater than us. Hey, if you're a guest, I want to thank you and welcome you for coming. Uh, you have come at a good time. Any week is great, uh, but I'm just super excited about this series. If you are with me and in Mark chapter 8, will you just simply say amen? Amen. Mark chapter 8. I said it, but I'm not there, so let me get there real fast. I did all the talking and realized I needed to get where I needed to go. Uh, I'm just going to read this verse and then we're going to kind of, I want to spend the rest of the service just kind of communicating what I believe God wants to say to us through this verse. Mark chapter 8, verse 35. Mark chapter 8, verse 35. Uh, for whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake uh, and the gospel will save it. This week in our mission statement, our mission statement that we introduced last week, is to engage our city with the love of Jesus one relationship at a time. And this week, I want to focus on what do I mean by engage the city? And what do we mean by engage the city when we talk about engaging the city? I want to give two preliminary thoughts that I mean these things, but I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about them this week, but I want to go ahead and touch them. The first preliminary thing of when we say engaging our city, we mean both spiritual and physical both spiritual and physical, or to use another word for physical, social, right? Is that when we come and we think about engaging our city, we understand and we believe that everybody needs the gospel message of reconciliation from Jesus Christ. 
that we were created by him and for him and that he created us to, for himself to be the center of our lives and without him as the center of our lives, that our, uh, that our lives uh, are uh, dis- d- dissipating or, or leading towards uh, um, falling apart. And all of us know that when we're left in charge of our lives, I tend to mess my life up and I tend to make mistakes. And we all do and all have, but that, that teaches us and points us to Christ. And so there's this spiritual, ultimate, and primarily, there's this spiritual idea of engaging the city. We're engaging the city in which we live, the city we love, the city that we uh, uh, live in, work in, and play in, the city that a lot of people come and visit, but it's the city that you and I call home. And for us, we want to engage it with spiritual, but, but we also mean physical. When I say this, that we believe that God's kingdom is both spiritual and physical. That God, I believe, has primarily made us as spiritual beings, but we are very much physical, right? We can see, we can touch, that we are a physical creation as well. And a lot of different groups within the church, the greater Protestant church, will put one emphasis on spiritual and another emphasis on physical to the negation of the other. And I'm not saying it's either or, I'm saying it's both and meaning that we will be concerned with feeding those who need food so that we can communicate that Jesus is the bread of life. We will give a drink to those who are thirsty so we can communicate that Jesus is the eternal water that will fully satisfy. We will clothe those who need clothing so that we can communicate that that Jesus clothes us with his righteousness. We will speak up for the oppressed so that we can communicate that Jesus is our rescuer. We will speak up for justice so that we can communicate that Jesus is holy and just. We will speak up for those who cannot speak up for themselves because Jesus is the great mediator who has spoken up for us. And so just way of preliminary, just saying that when I talk about engage the city, we'll mean, we'll talk about this more in the future, just not tonight. We mean both spiritually and both physically and socially. So the first is that. The second, when we say engaging the city, we mean both pragmatically or programmatically and organic. Like, Jonathan, what do you mean by that? Let me give some examples. A program uh, is a planned uh, event where you put on the calendar, you promote it, you organize it, you put a budget to it, and you go and do it. So, for example, yesterday, for those of us who went in and worked with Graffiti Church in serving at their FLIP, which is an acronym for Free Lunch in the Park, that was programmatic way of us engaging the city. We planned it, we organized it, and we went and do it. This is absolutely necessary. If you have uh, looked in your bulletin for this week on the announcements, you'll see that we're announcing this week our 2019 mission trip to Guatemala on August 3rd through the 10th. This is an example of a programmatic uh, way to, that we are engaging the city. And I intentionally said that to communicate we're not just engaging this city. Right? God's called us to make disciples of all nations, and as it's been said, that the light that shines furthest shines brightest at home. So we're emphasizing our city, um, engaging our city, and for all of us, that's still a bit of interpretation, because my city is Briarwood, or Jamaica, or Queens, or New York City, which, however way you want to define it, but for some of you, it's not that. And so I want to be clear, when also when I say engaging the city, I'm not just being defined the city as the location of our building. Because the church is not a building, a church is a people. And so your city may be different than my city. We will engage it together programmatically. But then here's the second part, organically. What is organic way to engage the city? Meaning nobody tells you to do it, 
you don't plan it, but you just living as a Jesus follower who loves Jesus and loves people, you see a need and you meet it. Listen to me. The day I long for, which for this church is is upon us, is the day where our the people that God's called me to lead are so engaged in mission that I don't have to tell them the steps to take. That, that, our, that our people are so engaged in loving their neighbors and so engaged in these things. It's organic. It's just who you are. It just happens that I don't have to, to spell it out or no one has to spell it out for you because we understand that the mission that God has given, he's given to individuals who make up a group of people called the church, but we as individuals are responsible for that mission. So just as preliminary, what I mean by engaging the city, both spiritual and physical and both programmatic and organic. But I want us to talk tonight about when we engage the city in fulfilling our call as a part of advancing the kingdom of God. So I want to talk tonight that as we engage our city, uh, what does that mean in this greater idea of simply us being a part of the kingdom of God? So I want to take us up a little bit to a 30,000 foot view of what scripture talks about as the kingdom of God and what that means. And so tonight, if you will, I just want us to spend some time talking about the kingdom of God. And when we mean by engage the city, what we're saying is we want to be a part of fulfilling our part in engaging the kingdom of God or advancing the kingdom of God right here in our city. So if I will, I want to just take you through some passages, and these will all be on the screen, beginning in Matthew chapter 3, of what does Jesus say about the kingdom of God simply in Matthew. Now, I'm not going to give you all the references. Jesus talks about the kingdom of God 55 times in the book of Matthew alone. 55 times in the book of Matthew alone. He starts like this, Matthew chapter 3. He says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven, I'm using them interchangeably. Same concept. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Matthew 4, verse 23. And he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. Matthew chapter 5, verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Matthew chapter 5, verse 10. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Verse 20 of the same chapter. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Matthew chapter 6, verse 10. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Which is the verse kind of where we're getting this idea for our series title, Kingdom Come. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Matthew 9, verse 35. And Jesus went through all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and affliction. Matthew chapter 10, verse 7. And proclaim as you go. Now, he's sending out the 12 disciples. And he says, proclaim as you go, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I want us to get this. That Jesus referencing the kingdom of heaven, different examples of the kingdom of heaven throughout the gospels, he references the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God almost a hundred times. But he references the church three times. Why am I telling you that? Because I want us to see as we begin to talk about the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven and our vision of that is greater than our church, I want us to see that oftentimes churches 
and we view our mission in relationship to the church, which I'll come back and unpack that a little bit more, but I want us to see that Scripture thinks about the mission as a way of engaging or advancing the kingdom of God. I want to take the book of Acts, for example. When we think about the book of Acts, we see churches being planted, and praise God for that, and, and that's awesome, and I want to talk about how, what that, how that fits into everything I'm saying. But we see churches being planted, we see these great missionary efforts. But I want us to see what is the focus, really, of the book of Acts. And we see this from reading the, the beginning of Acts and the end of Acts. And so Acts chapter 1, verse 3, says this, And he presented himself, he being Jesus, he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them for 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. Jesus has been resurrected from the grave, and he spends 40 days with his disciples and other people in the church. And what does Scripture tell us that he spends 40 days talking about? The kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. He doesn't spend 40 days talking to them about how you are to set up leadership within the church. Paul will deal with that later on. It's important. I'm not saying that's not important. He didn't spend 40 days talking about all these other things that a lot of times we will put a lot of focus on. But he spent 40 days talking about the kingdom of heaven. From the moment Jesus, and I think the Gospels do a great picture of this, Acts does a great picture of this, that Jesus' first words when he began to preach was, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Christ coming, his death, burial, and resurrection, we see that, and yes, it is the gospel, it is for us, it's all those things. But it's very much the kingdom of God is advancing here on earth. Kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus and the disciples in Acts, they were focused about the kingdom of God. Let me take you all the way to the end of Acts, in verse, Acts 28, verse 30. He, now this is Paul, he's now in Rome. He's in prison in Rome. He lived there two whole years at his own expense. And he welcomed all who came to them proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. When we talk about, and we say this at New Hope, we exist to engage our city with the love of Jesus one relationship at a time. What we are, the purpose and what our goal is doing is we want to see the kingdom of God advanced. We want to see the move of God come that goes in through our body on into this city. Let me say it this way as we begin to bring in this idea of church. is We do not engage our city because we are focused on church growth. Let me say this again. We do not engage our city because we want to see our church grow. This sounds controversial. What do you mean, Jonathan? You don't want to see the church grow because I know what you're saying right now. Well, the church growth means that people are being saved. And yes, absolutely. Praise God for that. But listen to me. I've spent my whole life living in a culture where churches are on every corner. And what you do to grow a church is you got to make your jeans a little bit tighter. You got to roll them up a little bit more than the last guy. Your beard needs to be a perfectly trimmed. Your lights need to be better than the person down the street. Oh man, throw in fog. Throw a lot of fog in the building. It'll be great, right? Right? The, the, the preach, whatever. The point is, listen to me. I, I've lived 
in a church culture, and I'm not necessarily just speaking to the South, I'm just speaking to a culture of churches, no matter where you are, that is focused on church growth, because listen to me, there's nothing wrong with this, but they're going, hey, we want to see, we want to plant a church, and we want to see it grow, and um, because if, if, if we grow enough, then, um, then we'll have more resources, and if we have more resources, then we can have more resources for missions, and, and don't, don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that big churches are bad. That's not what I'm saying, because big churches are great, and big churches offer something that small churches don't have, but what I'm simply saying is whether we stay this size or we grow to 10,000 isn't my point. My point is if we grow to 10,000, it's not going to be because we are focused on growing to 10,000. If we grow to 10,000 or if we don't grow at all, that's not success for us. Success for us is that we're engaging our city so that we can see the kingdom of God advance. Brian Hook said it this way, if we focus on the church, we can miss the kingdom. If we focus on the kingdom, we will also get the church. I want us to see something. I'm not saying I don't care about this church. I love you guys. I want you to know. The joy it was just to come and worship today. Now, it's a joyous every week, but for some week, for some reason this week, your smiles just brought extra joy in my heart. Your, your hugs, the worship, I, I'm just telling you, I love this church, and I will give my life for this church. Colossians 1.28, him we, we proclaim, Paul says, warning everyone and teaching everyone that we may present everyone mature in Christ. And he says this, for this I toil. With everything in me, with all Christ's energy that he powerfully works in me. Paul says, I will give all I have to see in the churches that God's called me to lead grow in maturity. So hear me. I will give my life to see you guys prepare to see Jesus one day. I, I will. I need you to know that, but I need you to get something. That m when we talk about mission and we talk about engaging our city, it is not for our kingdom, but his kingdom. And if we focus it and make decisions that are on about us, we can miss the kingdom. I've seen a lot of churches grow, but yet the kingdom of God not necessarily be advanced. I want to say it this way, and this is just a play on words, but to help us think through this. The church doesn't have a mission. The mission has a church. Let me say this again. The church doesn't have a mission the mission has a church. What do I mean by that? Because we talk about what is our church's mission, and we'll continue to use that phrase because that's good English, right? But I want us to see when we talk about the church's mission that the mission of God existed before the local church existed. The local church is a byproduct of the kingdom of God and is now a tool for the furtherance of the kingdom of God. The church is not the mission. The church is a tool to fulfill the mission. You get this? The Great Commission, one, will pause. I'll come back to the Great Commission. When Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God, this is way before the church is instituted, but he specifically gives us the Great Commission to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Matthew 28. That was prior to the institution of the church. Now, when was the church instituted? The church was instituted when the Holy Spirit came down in Acts chapter 2. Peter preaches, people come to know Christ, and they're gathered together in local bodies. Now, hear me. Jesus died for the church. Jesus died for us, his bride, the body of Christ. So I'm making a distinction, though, to say that his mission, though, he didn't die for New Hope. He died for the people of New Hope, but he didn't die for New Hope. 
Meaning, local congregations will come and go, but the kingdom of God is here. Go read Revelation chapter 1 through 4, four seven churches, right, that, that are in modern-day Turkey. How many of you have decided to go visit one of those churches? They, they don't exist, but the kingdom of God still does. The point is, is how many churches from the first century can you go visit today? Zero, because none of them are there. Meaning, local congregations will come and go. And listen to me, New Hope one day will not be here. Guess what? One day you and I won't be here. God has created all things to be born, grow, and eventually die. I'm not saying, listen, I'm not saying that this isn't important. But if we live for this, this won't last. But the kingdom of God will always last. So when we say... When I say, as your pastor, and we say as a church, because it's no longer I say, we say, you're still here, and you've given me a year, so praise God for that. So that means, you've, I guess you've accepted me. So it's now when we say, engaging our city, we're focused on the kingdom, not our church. Let me illustrate it this way the best I can, is we have military bases in Iraq, Yeah? We have military bases in places of battle. Think of it this way. Is the purpose of that military base for men and women who are trained to go and build a base? To get together with their commanders and talk about, you know, how they can, you know, be the best shooters or whatever they do and all these other things and... And they'll just sit and talk about it, but, or would you say the base exists because they have a mission to fulfill in that location? Yes? Right, right, the, the base is not the mission. The base is a outpost and a means to the mission. We've got to think about the local church in the same way. The local church is not the mission. The local church is a byproduct of the mission and is a tool, an outpost of God, of the kingdom of God, here on earth, right here in this city, for the sake of us being on mission. Does this make sense? I'm wanting to just, like I said, just, just kind of change a paradigm shift in our way of thinking. Now, this is important because this will drastically change how we think about certain things. So let, let me talk a little bit more to the city. If our goal is the kingdom of God, how will we know that we're accomplishing that goal? It's a great question. Because we, we can have a goal of going, we want to get 200 members. Now, we can have a goal towards that, and we can know if we're accomplishing that goal, yes? Right? But it's real easy for us to set goals for, if we're focused on the church, but, but how do you measure the kingdom of God? This is a great question, and the truth is we can't fully measure it. Success for us will be measured by reconciliation of people, because what the kingdom of God is about. It will be about transformation of community. It will be about multiplication of disciples. It will be about mobilization of groups of disciples, which is missions and church planning. These things are great, and this is what we'll, we'll aim for, and this is what success for us, but, but it's hard to measure it. But there is one statistic that we can measure that can give us a hint at the idea of the kingdom of God. And this, this statistic, that 96% of Queens, now I'm doing Queens because, one, this building is in Queens, but the 22 million of New York proper and its suburban areas, it, 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 let's, just, let's just go to Queens. Queens has 2.4 million people, right? I, I just need you to know, like, the state of Mississippi is barely bigger than Queens. 
like in population. Like this, this is massive alone, right? We all know this because people are all over the road and we're packed in subways. We know we're packed, right? We get that. But 2.4 million people in Queens, 96% of which claim no faith in Jesus Christ. 96%. And so can I, can I say it this way? That there is 96% of lostness in the city of Queens. 96%. So for us, our goal for success is simple. To see it go from 96% to 95%. That's success for us. Right? That's success. That's to see the kingdom of God advancing. We don't measure success by what is happening in necessarily the amount of people that are sitting in our seats. I say this all the time. Success is not how many are in our seats, but how many we give away. Success is not by how much money we have, but by how much money we give. Success for us will not be measured by the numbers in this room. Success for us will be simply measured by the kingdom of God advancing, by people giving their life to Jesus and seeing lostness drop, even if it's just 1%. Let me give you some other statistics just for the U.S. as we think about church and church growth and some of those things. Within the next seven years, 55,000 churches in the U.S. will close their doors. And the number that attend a church on the weekend will go down from 17% in the U.S. to 14% in the U.S. 80% of churches are shrinking or stagnant. Only 20% of churches are growing. And only 1% of that is from reaching lost people. 99%, or more specifically, the 19% of the 20 that is growing is simply because they offer something that another church doesn't, and so someone left that church to go to another church. Not saying that's all negative, but listen to me. That, I want you to see, you can grow the church, but not the kingdom of God, potentially. But if we, what? Listen to me. If we see the kingdom of God advance, we will also get the church. 95% 95% of the, church, or the growth of church in our country is just simply the reshuffling of existing Christians. Yet the number of megachurches in America has nearly doubled every decade over the last 50 years. Churches are growing, but is the kingdom of God. 96% of lostness in Queens, and if we say we want to see, engage our city, so 1% of lostness is decreased in our city. That's 24,000 people. I want us to think about that. Now, If our goal is to reach 24,000 people, and that's just the starter, right? That's just the starter. What what would it mean for us to say 10%? But let's just start with 1%. If we were to see our reach a goal to see uh, 24,000 people. Now, is everybody, what I'm about to say is real important, so I need to know you're tracking with me. Would you say that, yeah, you're tracking with me in this idea that I'm all about seeing the kingdom of God grow in, you know, in contrast to just focusing on church growth? Are you with me? Do you understand how this is biblical, I hope? This is why this is important. When we focus on the kingdom of God, we will make decisions very differently than if we focus on our church. Because listen to me. If we are focused on our church and try to reach 1%, then that means we need a place that will hold 24,000 people. You think a church this size is expensive to buy? Let's talk about that size church, right? 24,000, I want you you to kind of get a picture of this. The Arthur Ashe Tennis Stadium, where the U.S. Open is, perfect illustration, holds 23,771 people. We'd have to buy that to reach 1% and focus on church growth. Do you see that we can be so nearsighted in engaging our city and thinking about church growth 
that we can see our church grow to 10,000. And praise God, and I'm not saying that shouldn't happen. I want to see that happen. But if we, if we grew 10,000, if we saw 10,000 people give their life to Christ, the reality is, is, is where would we put those people in an expensive place like this? And so for us, if we're focused on the kingdom, that'll change how we make decisions. It'll change, listen to me, and I know this may be a controversial statement, but here it goes. It'll change whether we decide to buy a multi-million dollar building or if we decide to give multi-million dollars to church planning. See the difference? I'm not saying that, that we shouldn't buy a building, but I, what I am saying is I won't call and challenge our church to do that unless Jesus has made it so evidently clear. And the statements I hear, which are absolutely accurate, God will provide the money. You're right. If he can provide the money, then he can just also just give us the building. Right? You're praying for the money to buy the building. I'm just praying that God will give us the building. That's how they make it really clear that he wants to have that building. But the point is, is I, I, I want you to hear me. As your pastor, as we press forward and engaging our city, my goal is not, well, let me say it this way. Because my goal is to lead us towards the kingdom of God, believing that if we reach the kingdom of God or if we're a part of the kingdom of God, that we'll also experience church growth. But it's not about us, it's about his kingdom. That I'm focused on that as opposed to church growth. It will greatly affect how I lead us and I will lead the council and I will lead you guys to vote on how we spend our money on what we choose to buy and not buy. I'm not saying none of these things are ultimately negative, but I'm just simply wanting to prioritize simply where things are. Because we want to see 1% of Queens reached and, and then beyond, because a lot of you don't even live in Queens. So I want you to love on your neighbors and see that begin to reach, but I want us to see that that's not going to happen by us adding people to a room, a bigger room, a bigger room, a bigger room, until we get Arthur Ashe Stadium and the U.S. Open go somewhere else. Like, like that, that's 1%. I need you to see, like, that's 1%. That sounds crazy, and it is. But what's not crazy is we see just multiplication of communities all over the city reaching people in, in all of those type things. I want us to see when we talk about 1%, this changes our strategy. What we aim for changes what we do. And because we're aiming on the kingdom and not the church, I need us to see that we will not do things maybe that a lot of other churches are doing. And I'm not saying that other churches aren't, don't care about the kingdom of God. I'm just simply saying that we've got to think differently because what we're doing right now in America isn't working. And so we need to change how we think about reproducing the gospel into multiplying. We talked about this last week because this is where Jesus gives us this mandate. Jesus could have filled up Arthur Ashe Stadium. Could have done it. He could have filled up, he could have filled up the Colosseum in Rome. He could have filled it all up, but instead he, was, he goes and grows up in Nazareth. And he lives in a, and hardly anybody knows him. And he's famous. Yeah, don't get me wrong. But instead of going, hey, I'll be the greatest preacher and build the greatest church in the sense of a location. Instead, I'll die. I'll go to the Father in heaven. And I'll pass all my gospel into these other <laughs> crazy dudes and women who just can't get it all together. That's us. And... I'll entrust them just to multiply the gospel through disciple-making. I want us to see, and we're going to talk about this another week, the difference between addition and multiplication. But understand, what is for us as we think about, and now let's go back to Mark chapter 8, because this is where we started. And you go, you haven't even talked about that intentionally. But I want us to read it at the beginning, and I want to pray that maybe you see it a little bit differently. But he says this, 
Mark chapter 8, verse 35. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever who loses his life for my sake and the gospel will save it. Two things I want to say about this. The first is we always think about this passage as a means to coming into relationship with God. And rightfully so. But I want to draw your attention that this also applies to your life now as a believer. That every single day, how do I live for the kingdom as opposed to my kingdom? This is how. And then second, that this isn't just for individuals. This is for groups of people. So how do we know that we're living for the kingdom as opposed to our kingdom? It's simply this. Will we choose to lay down new hope for the sake of the kingdom? Will we choose to lay down what we think is best for us and go, what is best for the kingdom? Because what might be best for us is to buy a building. But what might be best for the kingdom is for us to continue to set up and take down every week. Which Andy could really use some help with that. And so let me just throw that plug in there. If you feel led to serve Jesus, I promise he will take your help at 1 o'clock every Sunday. Right? I want us, I'm just using that as an example. Because I want us to see when we say engaging our city with the love of Jesus one relationship at a time. This is super intentional to say. We will lay down our lives as individuals and as a body for the sake of Jesus, his glory, and his kingdom being advanced. Amen? Amen. This is what it means for us to pray. Kingdom come in our life and in our church. Let's pray. With your head bows and eyes closed, before, before I begin to pray, I, I do want to speak to you, but I want to just for you to focus in for a second. As you may be in here this afternoon, you're hearing us talk about Jesus and the kingdom of God, and, and it is focused towards new hope, members and regular attendees, and you may be a visitor or you may be somebody who uh, isn't even a follower of Jesus. And maybe you're going, this, is, this, you know, this doesn't super apply to me, but, but I want you to hear that it does. It's that Jesus loves you. In this passage, Mark chapter 8, that one who lays down his life will receive it. Two things for you. One, Jesus laid down his life so that you could have life. It's the paradox of life. You give it up so that you can have it. He gave up his life so that you could have it. And he calls you simply to do the same. Would you give up your life for him? He gave up your life, or he, excuse me, he gave up his life for you. Would you give up your life for him? And that's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And if that's you and you've got questions and you go, hey, I would want to love to know more about following Jesus, would you just simply find me after service? And I'd love to talk to you about what it means to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Now let me pray for the rest of us who call New Hope home. And this is now your mission. Would you pray with me? Jesus, we, we pray and we ask for your kingdom to come in our lives individually, but also corporately. Jesus, we just take a moment and we surrender to you. And if you will, just, just in your heart, will you, will you just pray this along with me? Jesus, we surrender our lives to you. That Jesus, we are not living for our kingdom. We're living for your kingdom. That Jesus, we can stay a church of a hundred for the next 50 years. And that's fine with us if you still use us to see your kingdom advanced you use us to see lostness in this city decrease. It's not about us. It's about your kingdom. 
so Jesus, we are prideful, and we do. We want to see new hope succeed, and praise God for that, absolutely. And I'm so grateful that, Jesus, that we have members who desire that, and that's a good desire. But Jesus, would you help us never prioritize that over your kingdom? So Jesus, would you lead us to advance your kingdom? Would you call some of us to programmatically go and plant churches, to move to other parts of the city or other parts of the world for your sake? Because it's not about new hope, it's about the kingdom. We'll release, we'll let go, just make it clear. And then Jesus, I pray for every individual that whether it may not be programmatic, but it may just be organic, Jesus, that we would lay down our lives every single day to see your kingdom advance. That we love on our neighbors, we love on our coworkers, we love on this city, we love this city, you love this city. I think about the moment, Jesus, when you were coming into Jerusalem and you saw it and you wept over the city. You loved that city, you loved the people. Jesus, I love this city. I firmly believe you didn't just call me to New Hope, but you called me to a city. Then my wife and I, we made a decision to move here, Jesus. It was because we felt that you, you were calling us not just to New Hope, but to this city. We love this city. So would you give us a burden, Jesus, for this city? Because we believe you're the one hope for this city. You, Jesus. So Jesus, as we just now turn to worship you, Holy Spirit, would you continue to just minister to us and call us out and encourage us and give us hope and give us faith and give us boldness to speak your name in this city. For all this in Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand and worship with us?